0: This is The Hash Out, a podcast at the intersection of sports and cannabis made by and for the people that love both. This podcast is intended for adults. Due to adult themes and content, listeners' discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to The Out, presented by Critter Vision Studios, the premier podcast at the intersection of sports and cannabis culture made by and for the people who love both. Uh, after a little one-week break, we are back. I am Joshua Hatler, here with my good friend Chandler Songer. Chandler, how are you doing today?
0: What up? I'm doing well. I'm doing better
1: than Aaron Rodgers is doing today. That is absolutely certain. Yeah, that's true. He's, uh, he's kind of been getting skewered because of speculation that's that's such a weird situation because it it does bring in a lot of questions about like what people need to do in disclosing their vaccination status to people in a place where there's not a mandate it's you know just seeing more intricacies of this whole thing is uh is interesting but you know i do hope he gets uh vaccinated for real if he's not uh if he was trying to lie about it that's a little weird um but either way it's jordan love time in green bay baby yeah um but we have a lot to talk about today we're going into uh week 9 of the NFL so we're basically kind of at the mid-season point so we have to do some uh award giveaways for that but uh you know as we were doing prep for this podcast today as we were getting ready to do it uh we just chandler refreshed the espn website and as we were planning to do this uh we're recording thursday late morning uh the story that was kind of foreshadowed a couple weeks ago regarding uh, robert sarver and uh racism and misogyny within the phoenix suns dropped today and oh my god is this shit indicting
0: it is uh,
1: an unfortunate read from top to bottom um
0: Yeah, man, I understand why the Suns now, like two weeks ago when no one asked, literally no one, then just a blank space. And then the Suns, hey, uh, if anybody releases a report, we didn't do anything bad, we promise. Um, I understand why they might try to jump out in front of the story now because this is pretty fucking bad. Um, I mean, it kind of, uh, the way Baxter Holmes wrote it down, he's an ESPN senior writer from the top kind of, it's just bad from the start. It's all gas, no brakes, pretty much all of the bad things you could do as an executive in the NBA.
1: Yeah, and the way the article is written, it details uh, incidents of racism from Robert Sarver over 17 years, and oh man, are there a lot of them. A lot of uh, casual use of uh, racial slurs, um, way too comfortable use of racial slurs, Uh hostile behavior towards, uh, black employees, uh, employees of color and the Phoenix Suns organization. Um, a lot of people kind of concur that he has used a lot of this language, although Sarver's legal team did demand that they reach out to 10 people, seven of whom responded, uh, and, these people that Sarver kind of curated said that he didn't actually use any uh, racist language which i wonder why the people that he curated would say that about him uh, but man he he said some terrible things uh you know one Even of uh, beyond just saying terrible things
0: definitely was a part of some pretty terrible like actual workplace actions too
1: yeah i mean I don't, so I don't want to go too in depth into the language he used, but one of the most, uh, one of the most upsetting uh, aspects of Sarver's use of racial language, at least I think, uh, is kind of where it talks about he's explaining to a staffer why he preferred hiring Lindsey Hunter over Dan Majorly as a head coach in 2013, and. Uh, what he said was, these N words need a N word, and uh, that's that's atrocious. That this guy who owns an NBA organization is just so casually doing that in in professional conversations. You know that's that's crazy that that's gone on for seventeen years and we're just now hearing about it. And even then, imagine just the snippets we're getting of what seems
0: to be, you know, 17 years is a long time. And these seem to be just the greatest hits or the ones that people were around to hear, if you know what I mean. So,
1: You know, one piece of uh, wisdom my father always gave me is uh, when it comes to racism, for every time you hear the word, there's a hundred times you didn't hear it. You know, and and I I think that's kind of... uh, that's kind of true when it's probably a, a logical lot of, conclusion after uh, everything i've read up until this point I'm, i mean think about it if if he is that comfortable saying it to people in his business imagine how comfortable he he feels saying it in like just personal settings you know like it, it's kind of insane and obviously like Obviously, black talent comprises a lot of the NBA and a lot of the Suns. Um, one, one thing I actually find kind of interesting about this is, uh, you know, remember Donald Sterling and the Clippers in, uh, in 2014, also a Chris Paul team. And um, I think that Chris Paul was... A really important leader uh, with the Clippers there and taking a stand that they did not want to play for this kind of ownership. And I really hope that while the Phoenix Suns are trying to bury this and, and make sure it is not seeing the light of day, um, I really hope that Chris Paul and, uh, you know, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, I, I hope those guys step up. I, I hope that. Uh, everyone is uh is able to stand and say we are not going to play for this kind of ownership. Uh and, and I do think that the only logical conclusion to this is uh Robert Sarver being in some way removed from NBA ownership, basically being being forced to to sell the team, right? Absolutely.
0: Um, it it kind of just has to happen at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I don't And uh, something else to think about too. I mean, do Sterling only ever got brought down because of something that was recorded in, like, a pretty private moment with, like, his wife, I think it was at the time. It's just mind-boggling that this could persist for so long inside of an NBA franchise, but it's also not just the Suns, you know? There has to be elements of this type of behavior in practically any sports front office, and it's because there needs to be, like, a greater... Like a better way to address these issues is like a society and an entire culture than just like on a team by team basis. Because if we just go around slapping wrists, I feel like it's just, it's damn near every tame at some point. Doesn't make what Sarver has done or said exceptionally fucking terrible, but.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, it isn't just Sarver. I think one of the really like incriminating aspects is when it gets to uh, more of the description of. Uh, the workplace culture created by this like front office, by this executive level and uh, what the top down does there. Right. I think uh, that's when it goes from bad to just really appalling and disgusting. Uh, Like there's a story told in there about a woman who was like physically assaulted by a male coworker. And, uh, the the story that HR tells is that there was never a complaint made to HR. However, you uh, find out later in, in the piece that uh, several former HR employees for them say that the company never wanted people to go to HR. So they tried to keep people from ever complaining to HR. Uh, But anyway, this, this woman got physically assaulted in her workplace. And, uh, what what she says is that HR basically told them the solution was to move their desks further apart. Ultimately, her desk was moved one row back, ten feet away with a partition. So if she stood up, the guy was still right there. Like that is how the Phoenix Suns addressed the literal physical assault of a female employee. Like and and that that culture. Is more damning to that whole organization, uh, than just seeing something bad about Robert Sarver. And I think that's clear why the organization wants it buried. Because if it's just Robert Sarver doing it, everyone can kind of like throw it onto that one person, right? And say, like, yeah, he's been like this for a long time. We don't really like it. We'd love to see him gone. And then like someone else comes in and buys it this doesn't bode well for the organization from a from a foundational level right so this is like the kind of situation where you think like you know i i almost kind of look at this and think like okay jeff bezos is about to buy the phoenix suns and move them to seattle and drake is about to buy the phoenix mercury and move them to toronto you know like that's that's like almost how i see this going i i don't know if like this ends with just like Robert Sarver out in Phoenix and a new owner in and then everything's the same I think there has to be like some real top-down like restructuring of what goes on here and I almost think that uh the challenge of that is is going to um you know move it end up moving the team to either Vegas or Seattle
0: I mean, it's got to go one way or the other. I feel like probably, you know, the more likely situation is just a culling at the moment and they start, or even if they don't have to fire anybody, I feel like, you know, that type of news. A lot of people are probably going to be putting in resignation letters pretty soon. Yeah. Especially if your name was implicated in that report because there are a lot of people that weren't, but you could kind of assume it's damn near everybody.
1: Yeah, I think one of the most. One of the most uh, interesting aspects of the story is that one of those people that um, <clears throat> one of the people that Robert Sarver asked to be spoken to was Steve Kerr. Now, Kerr was the uh, he was part of the staff in Phoenix from I believe two thousand four to two thousand ten. And uh Kerr told ESPN that he never saw anything suggesting racism or misogyny, and he was very surprised to hear these allegations because that's not the person that I know. And I know that uh, Steve Kerr is always a very diplomatic person and generally always stands up for what's right, so I, I believe him wholeheartedly when he says that like he did not personally see anything that suggested uh, that kind of behavior, but... Um, you know, I kind of have to wonder like if he heard about it and it's a little troublesome that like Steve Kerr is one of the 10 people that Robert Sarver is asking to go to bat for him to ESPN, you know, because there, there are a lot of people that, you know, like Steve Nash is brought up in the article because like steve nash almost didn't sign with the phoenix suns because of uh some like racist transgressions that robert sarver made towards nash's agent and uh you know i i kind of wonder what steve nash's report on robert sarver has been maybe we'll hear it in the coming days and i'm I'm sure he'll have a level of diplomacy about it but it's also pretty
0: convenient that he would you know, deflect to Steve Kerr who hasn't been in the building for the past 11 years and even then probably has some of the most limited involvement with him personally
1: of anyone in the organization, so. Right, it's all like pretty maybe suspect it's just a... And- uh he, yes he man, had like, a character guy who didn't know him well enough to say anything yeah. bad about him but it's, it's probably wouldn't like, say something bad without cause right you know Steve th- Kerr seems like a dude
0: with some relative integrity I doubt he
1: would oh absolutely yeah I lie I, about that he spoke He's he's I am more not gonna tear down Steve Kerr's issues so uh yeah. yeah I definitely am not gonna like tear down his name but I I think more than anything the sons are to get this out of their fucking building right now i th- yeah i think there's also a little bit of a possible like you know there's there's uh something to be said about like privilege and complicity you know and and maybe the convenience of blindness that you know people who look like you and me kind of have in in workplaces you know wouldn't know uh, if it wasn't happening to you necessarily or wouldn't even
0: necessarily know what it looked like if it happened right in front of you absolutely
1: yeah and if one person brought it up like you know some people may be more or less inclined to believe them you know and and so uh i think the espn said they talked to over 70 people related to the sun's organization for this story yeah, I mean they have they have a lot of people uh speaking out, a lot of former employees. Like it's it's damning. High ranking, not... low ranking
0: everywhere in between, yeah.
1: Yeah, they they really uh they really put stuff together for this piece. You and done I goofed think, Phoenix. Yeah, I think Robert Sarver is gonna have to be out. Absolutely I just don't see it any other way. Um, but I don't know what they do beyond that, you know, because there are obviously a lot of a lot of executives here who uh have kind of helped perpetuate some of these issues and you know you're talking about an nba franchise like having to completely restructure its workplace dynamic you, like that's that's not an easy task right mid-season like, that's, yeah
0: it's um Not good, but in the NBA, there has been, I think, some really cool shit going on, mostly the NBA City jerseys coming out this past week.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, those, uh, I'm not gonna lie, this isn't my favorite year for City jerseys overall, because it's kind of like the 75th anniversary, uh, theme that they're supposed to do, so it's supposed to look at the history of their team, uh, which I feel like, City edition jerseys have generally done appropriately while also honoring an aspect of their city, which I think is a necessity for some. Because uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, for example, aren't a histor- like a, a very historically deep team. Yeah, so when you look at their like city jersey, yeah, exactly. It's like this is kind of like we were there. A jersey we don't need to... Anthony Davis yeah. wore once. It hasn't um, even been ten years yet. We're not quite nostalgic. Uh, but. Yeah, you know, I think just for the sake of time today, because we have, you know, a little more basketball to talk and then uh, quite a bit of NFL to talk. uh, We are going to go ahead and rank the top 10 city jerseys as uh, as we meticulously rank them on the show um and then we will post our full ranking online on social media perhaps uh on our website that is currently in the works hopefully coming up soon um but chandler do you have any honorable mentions for uh for jerseys outside of our top 10
0: yeah so i thought overall i like the batch of city jerseys i don't think it's the best there's ever been in terms of like a whole year and all of the teams being good uh I particularly do not like the fact that Utah and the Phoenix Suns both basically handed in the same assignment as last year, which we fuck see Phoenix.
1: It. I do not feel bad about putting them second to last.
0: No, I actually, I think they may deserve to take even a step back after
1: our uh, most recent knowledge. But no,
0: uh, really, I think I like the San Antonio Spurs have some pretty clean ones that I think we put in like the B tier, you know, middle end, number twelve up there, number twelve overall the top been. ten so it barely missed but god damn i love the colorways anytime there's a good like teal like i'm a slut for a fuchsia you know what i mean you those <laughs> in there with like a good historic throwback it, the jersey Chandler reminds busting me
1: it open for fuchsia
0: the jersey reminds me of like a 1990s taco bell interior in a way that i really fucking love
1: <laughs> so um, shouts
0: out san antonio
1: yeah, I mean, I love that Spurs jersey. I love the shout out to to Timmy and the Admiral. Um, yeah, they they did really well. And who knows? Maybe if we did a re-ranking, that would go in the top ten. Uh, one thing I do want to say is we put uh, we put the Wizards jerseys really really low on this, and I wouldn't put them in the top ten by any means. But like seeing them on the court and what they look like, uh, I definitely like them. A lot better because, you know, there's a difference between seeing the photos of these or seeing photos of them on players and uh, seeing what they look like on the court. Um, but I guess the other honorable mention I would give is uh, early on, I did not like those uh, OKC jerseys at all. Um, and they really, like, grew on me pretty quickly. Actually, when I thought about that aspect of how they'll look on court. I think they're really just so sleek, so clean. I think uh, they're simple, but they really kill it. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, let's start going into the, uh, the top ten. You want to start us off with number ten?
0: Number ten. The Memphis Grizzlies.
1: Yeah, I mean the Grizzlies aren't necessarily a team with a super long history. They were like an expansion team originally in Vancouver. Uh, I think Don't they just, you know? they worked well peppering in some of those like cool, uh, cool, like piping elements uh, that they've done in past jerseys. Then kept it simple with a good color on it. It kind of reminds you like, like it, it's a very grit and grind feeling uh, uniform. So I'm big on that one. You don't quite see it in just like an average picture of it, but they did
0: a couple up close shots, and I've seen them like on you know an actual player. the The swoosh, the Nike swoosh, and like the detailing on the logo and the numbers there is actually kind of like a clear prismy, like rainbow color up close. It almost looks kind of like a fractally type. Oh. Shit. It's really cool. I think yeah, it I didn't notice that detail. An entirely different element because at first I was kind of meds on this one, but once I saw like some of the detailing on it, I think it kind of sold me.
1: Yeah, um, I mean those jerseys looked really good on the court last night when they were uh, stomping the Nuggets for the second time this week. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> like a soundboard
0: of sad trombone noises for any of your Denver sports references.
1: Yeah, right. It's been a it's been a tough week for us. Uh, more more on that later. Uh, number nine, coming in hot at number nine, the Brooklyn Nets. Those uh those throwback Ooh. blue and red jerseys. Uh, really clean also looked really, really good on the court last night. Like so much. So I, I almost feel like, uh, this might belong a little bit higher on the rankings. The nets really killed it. And I feel like maybe I just don't want to like, maybe I I just don't want to do things to the nets. And so maybe I, I did have this higher in my head, but just because of my, uh, my predisposition towards the nets, I decided to put it lower. Um, but yeah, that's a really dope jersey. Yeah, they look damn good. I'm not like lie. if I were to get a Kevin Durant jersey, I'd be happy to get that jersey.
0: Um, bouncing over from number nine, we're going to number eight. It's going to be the Charlotte Hornets, which there's a lot going on with this one. I think they're probably the closest to doing too much, maybe of the ones that fall in like kind of the upper echelon for us. Um, but got like that kind of gradient blue to tealish greenish color um i think these are gonna look sick on court the hornet's color palettes kill it
1: man the hornet's color palettes kill it uh i I don't know why you would have a honeycomb Um, yeah i don't totally get that because that's like not quite hornets that seems more like bees but I think that's kind of what they're going for. But the colors really kill it. Uh, I love the font on the name. I like the number font. Uh, like aesthetically, like the Hornets always kill it. Shouts out Charlotte. I'm gonna be like on a plane to Charlotte as this podcast drops. So so shouts out. Always love the Hornets jerseys. Uh, coming in at number uh, seven is is one that might be a little polarizing it's this uh it's a sixers spectrum jersey uh, with the very like throwback 70s uh, font on on sixers it's got the colors coming down the sides it feels very like uh, Dr. J but uh, I don't know there's also the color palette as far as uh, like that that black jersey kind of feels like feels a little like ai era um i just like a lot of the elements and how they combine there i do like Uh, the
0: the font i think is probably the strong point in this jersey the absolutely colors are
1: cool kind of reminds me
0: of like hot dog on a stick vibes i don't know why Um, (laughs) i kind of get that actually but no i think ultimately these do deserve to be up in the the select few because it's a little polarizing i've seen a lot of people that don't like them but i've seen them on you know players i think they look perfectly cool i like that navy blue with some accent colors can't go wrong but it's not nearly as good as number six
1: and what's that be
0: mr Giannis and milwaukee bucks rocking this maybe a little
1: normal looking jersey at first but i think they did a great job with it you know i think it's really awesome how they keep it looking like uh just contemporary bucks jersey on the front and then they use the sides to kind of uh do that little throwback to like Ray Allen era. Um, I, you know, they took some, some tough colors to combine and actually did it really well on the sides of the Jersey there. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the Bucks Jersey. It's, it's simple at first glance, but almost, uh, almost deceptively ambitious. That's a really pretentious way to describe it, but that's what I'm going for. Uh, coming in at number five, let me just preface this by saying, I fucking love Kevin Garnett. I love so many things about Kevin Garnett. I love Kevin Garnett so much that Kevin Garnett had me cheering for the Boston Celtics to win a title at one point. Um, KG is one of my favorites to ever play the game. And so coming in at number five are these hard ass Minnesota Timberwolves jerseys, and I do not like the Timberwolves typically as a team. Uh, I'm not usually trying to give them props, but uh, these jerseys are ridiculous. The that like you know really like aggressive font for the for the wolves there, and the number font kind of doing the same thing. That particular color of blue, but it kind of feels like it's a little bit remastered. For uh for a contemporary era, I just think that's gonna look crazy on the court. It's a great throwback, ironically to a player who disassociates himself with the with that uh organization very much. But my God, do I love these Wolves jerseys!
0: Oh, they're pretty sick.
1: Um, I think the pine tree detailing on the
0: uh like the what would you call that? I don't even know what you would call that. Never mind. We can go to number four, that's the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Uh, this throws back to like MJ looking for me. Right. So they've got the little nod to the dynasty down on the, uh, like kind of the size patch portion where they always have it. Um, it's got all the years they won in the nineties. We've got that old school, clean Chicago script. The red Simple, is bright. It almost strikes great. me. It could be Chicago bulls or it could be an OG Bradley Braves jersey either way. Oh, that's nice. The colorway, the numbers specifically, it looks like something you see down at the old Peoria Civic Center. I don't know, <laughs> Just something about the way she looks.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a really great jersey for a really great team that is starting out six and two right now. Uh, really defying a lot of the non-believers. Shouts uh, out Demar Rosen, dude. Demar DeRozan's going crazy right now. Stupid. I mean, you know, you know, Demar and Levine are like both in the in the top ten scorers in the nba right now yeah we'll put up 27 32 35 40 they're, they're, gonna they're gonna be dangerous they're gonna be dangerous the, through the season. There, man like i don't know what a postseason looks like for them and it might be a pretty tough early exit you know we can make those judgments later but there'll be a feeling out i I, sure. I i'm i'm just ready to pencil them in to the top six i'm i'm not I'm not looking at them as, like, even potentially in the play-in games. And I know it may seem a little premature for that, but I just think what they're doing, the coach they have, um, yeah, whole tangent, but I think the Bulls are, like, kind of for real, at least as a regular season team. But moving on to number they're
0: three. Legit. To a team that is on the opposite end of that spectrum, that would be the Houston Rockets. Yeah, <laughs> Listen, which that jersey.
1: such a I can't name a single person on that fucking roster but I want to see it uh yeah I mean Jalen Green like Ah, there's no one you'd get a jersey for of you know like there's uh it's just such a terrible thing that they have like these beautiful ass throwback jerseys here you know making you think of all of all of the great players in in Houston Rockets history making you think of the dream with that font Making you think of uh, Yao Ming, T-Mac, making, just making you think of, of some really fantastic players on a team where Christian Wood is probably the best player. Which, no disrespect to Christian Wood, you should be In the third best player Wall. on, well, what's John Wall doing right now, man? What have you done for me lately? Fair enough. Um, I have a feeling you might want to tell us what the second-best jerseys are. You know I do. It is the beautiful
0: throwback Raptors jersey. This is actually two throwbacks because you got that black and gold kind of look they had when Kawhi was there and they won the title. But then just that beautiful OG Raptor bouncing a basketball. He's dressed up in his We the North gear, all blacked out, all gilded. It is a thing of beauty.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I originally my first reaction had this as my favorite jersey. Honestly, my first reaction was like this is what would look coolest as a jersey that you would buy and wear around as a fan, and the only reason that uh it moved out of my top spot is uh you know, as you and I discussed the on-court appearance, right? and it's not that i think that's going to look bad on court but like i feel like number 1 is just going to look so ridiculous on the court especially if you know they turn things back around a little bit cuz they've been starting a little slow uh despite a great playoff run this past year it's going to be the atlanta hawks you know this like this simple vintage font This bird across the chest, that bright yellow. Trey Young is going to wear that shit. He is going to put up 40 on the Knicks when they come to Atlanta. And he is going to get an iconic photo taken in that jersey. Like, that is the uniform. Like, the Hawks down the side of the shorts in, like, the vintage riding there. Like that part goes really like crazy to me for some reason. I just think this is going to be a jersey that looks really great on really great on the court. Oh yeah. That's like,
0: quintessential. I feel like they have to reference that forever now. It's just so good.
1: Yeah, I just I love how I wanna see like, a court design that matches stand. up with that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they did that in a way that's like it's kind of intimidating, but it's it's not like it's surprisingly not, not over. Yeah, it's not tacky on the jersey. So, uh, yeah, Atlanta like kind of came in number one. And I honestly wasn't thinking that highly of it until you said it was in the top three. And then I kept looking at it and I was like, you know what? Like, this jersey goes really stupid. Like, this goes really is hard. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Man. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> so, uh, there you have it. That's the top 10 uh, NBA City jersey rankings for this year. Uh, it goes Memphis Grizzlies, Brooklyn Nets, Charlotte Hornets, Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, Minnesota Timberwolves, Chicago Bulls, Houston Rockets, Toronto Raptors, and the Atlanta Hawks. And if you uh, don't know, now you know. <laughs> uh if uh you know you want to see the full rankings we will have these posted up online for you. Uh and we'd love to hear your opinions on what you think uh the the coolest city edition uniforms are this year. Um before we go to break, I just want to stay on the NBA thing for a little bit before we talk uh, NFL midseason. And fly through a few uh, Reggie Mitter gases with you, Chandler. Hell yeah, I think I'm ready. I'm All right.
0: Basketball chops already.
1: All right. First Reggie Mitter gas of the day, Chandler. We are talking about the Euro Boys. That is the three European players in the league who are held at the top. You know, NBA first team discussion, MVP discussion. Perennial All-Stars. I'm talking Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis and Titakumbo. Uh just for reference, right now, Giannis is uh averaging 27.4 points, 10.8 rebounds, and 6.4 assists so far. Luca's at 23.9 points, uh uh 8.3 rebounds and 7.1 assists. The Joker is at 25.1 points, 13.4 rebounds, and uh, 5.6 assists, which is a little lower than you might expect for someone so heralded with his passing. So I want to know what you think of how they're playing right now. Who's Reggie? Who's Mid? Who's Gas?
0: So, first off, I just want to say, fuck Boban, I guess. Um, But also, (laughs) I don't think being the Reggie here is a bad thing, because you're talking about three of the eminent basketball players in the world. They are all fucking amazing, as far as I'm concerned. But as of right now today, uh, eight games in for each of these guys, I think my Reggie's going to have to be Luka Doncic. Um, You know, he's putting up the points. He's averaging about 24 points a game um assist numbers are pretty decent 7.1 he's averaging a steal on half a block but where things really get dicey is his three-point percentage and this is a pretty it's common bad. theme this is a pretty common theme around the entire league if you look That's at some true. of the best three-point shooters this year they're having off years uh, almost all of them are having difficult times from outside the arc that goes for Damian Lillard Steph Curry even Luca um, Yo, 90s actually- basketball
1: is coming back man <laughs>
0: I'm happy to see it. Um, But even then, apart from his three-point field goal percentage, he's sitting at a 42.2% overall field goal percentage, which is pretty low by his own standards and much Mm -hmm. lower than either Jokic or Antetokounmpo. Um, I think it's a little bit dicier trying to split up mid and gas here. But ultimately, I think my mid would have to be Nikola. Just okay. right now, I think this could change. I think he could very quickly become the gas of the situation, but kind of like you mentioned, I assume he's going to have seven or eight assists tonight. He's averaging a little bit lower than that. Um... You know, he's shooting free throws well, I suppose. He's putting (laughs) up points. He's getting his rebounds. But I think he has room to improve by his own standards and will likely do a lot better than where he's at today. But as of right now, I think Giannis is definitely the gas. You know, he's averaging 27.5 points a game, a double-double if you consider 10.8 rebounds, 6.5 assists, which is better than Jokic, and two blocks. I mean, Giannis is the all-around real deal. And we knew that, yeah. and that could shake out differently between the mid and the gas of it all, but if we're comparing big men right now, I think Giannis definitely has the edge.
1: Yeah, I think it's really tough for Jokic right now because it seems like nobody on the Nuggets can like make any shot. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of hard to get assist forces. numbers when nobody yeah. can put a ball in a basket, but I, I think you're probably right. Uh, Giannis is killing it. Uh, if you watch Giannis right now, it, it still somehow feels... Like, after being a back-to-back MVP, a Defensive Player of the Year, a Finals MVP, he's still getting better. And that's scary. Uh, but moving it, on... It's
0: truly horrifying to think about where Giannis's ceiling might actually be.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've seen it yet. And God help us all when we do. Uh, moving on. We're looking at, uh, some of the early Rookie of the Year candidates. Uh... One of these might kind of be phased out for Jalen Green, uh, but I would say it's 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 fair to consider Scotty Barnes, uh, Evan Mobley, and Chris Duarte, basically the three top performing rookies right at the moment, early in the season. Uh, again, just for comparison, Scotty Barnes is rocking with a really impressive eighteen point one points. Uh, 2 assists, 8.9 rebounds. Uh, Duarte's putting up 16.9 points, uh, 2.2 assists, and 4.6 rebounds. And Mobley is given us 13.3 points, uh, 2.3 assists, 8.2 rebounds, and uh, 1.3 blocks uh, per game. Give me the Reggie, the mid, and the Gas there. So I'm actually going to work this one in reverse
0: because I definitely know who my gas is, and that's got to be my boy Scotty Barnes over here in Toronto, shaking things up, making it a little bit more interesting. I saw that man go the entire length of the court on three steps the other night. That was pretty cool. Um horrifying i 18 points a game already within his first eight games in the league uh six rebounds couple or nine rebounds rather a couple assists you know he's been efficient his three-point game is definitely questionable but he's shooting at a 55 percent clip from the field other than you know overall uh, not just accounting for a three-point shot he's also sitting in the game for damn near 35 minutes uh he's basically been thrown right into the fire and considering the pieces he has around him, I think he's done pretty damn well for himself to establish himself as a legitimate scoring threat and dude to be watched for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. Um, Really, really helping win games in Toronto right
0: now. Absolutely. Um, We have a pretty decent record sitting in comparison to teams like the bulls for like the teams that we've played so far, you know, a couple laughers, but other than that, Scotty Barnes has shown up damn near every night. Um, for working down, I'm probably going to bounce to my mid there, which I think is going to be Chris Duarte. Um, ultimately, I'm a little upset his field goal percentage is so low. He's only shooting, or not field goal percentage, rather, uh, he has the more consistent field goal percentages. He's shooting at a 43.6% clip and then 42.9 from behind the arc. You know, getting the points scored, also sitting in the game for damn near 35 minutes a game. I like what he's able to do with the Pacers more than I've been. I feel like I've expected a little bit more from Evan Mobley. Maybe. And I think that's kind of why he's got to fall to the Reggie tier for me.
1: Wow. Evan Mobley at the Reggie man. That's oh my God, dude, he is one of the craziest like grown ass man defenders we have seen in a really long time. Like, He is contesting so many shots. He looks like like defensively uh, just almost a finished product at age 20. Uh, I think, you know, at his size, he's got to put on a little more muscle to like really go like body in the paint and uh, may need to work on his shooting clip a little bit because, you know, he is he is a guy who was heralded as, as being able to score at like multiple levels. But right now we're kind of seeing like, you know, just kind of this, uh, he almost plays defense the way Kevin Garnett did when Kevin Garnett really demonstrated himself as a defensive threat. So I don't know. Scotty Barnes gets the, gets the gas, but I gotta give, I gotta give my boy Mobley the mid gotta give my boy Mobley the mid. Um, moving on though, uh, there are a few teams at the top of the East that have all, uh, filled point guard roles over the summer. Uh, that is Kemba Walker going to the New York Knicks, Kyle Lowry going to the Miami Heat and Lonzo Ball going to the Chicago Bulls. None of them are putting up particularly like eye, eye opening numbers, Uh, But all of them are making a very big offensive impact on their teams, and uh, all of them are off to a pretty dang solid start. Uh, I want you to rank them for me, though, Reggie, Mid, or Gas, on how you feel like uh, they're doing for their teams. Well, I feel like
0: these are probably also roughly some of the most equal point guards right now in terms of where they're sitting statistically. Um, In terms of, I guess, what they mean to their team as well being taken into consideration, I'm going to start with Reggie, where I'm going to put Kemba Walker. Um, I don't know that Kemba Walker's, like, presence in New York is necessarily the thing that makes that team tick. Um, He's definitely a nice scoring threat to have. He's been shooting far, far better from three-point range, though. He's shooting under 40% from the... uh, inside of the arc whereas he's shooting damn near 57 from outside it that's, that's an interesting really thing to consider when a bunch of other players are doing pretty poorly from outside of the arc right now um, but ultimately i think the knicks could kind of plug and play with a few different guys outside of kemba walker and have roughly the same result like i feel like derrick rose has been playing on a level for the past couple of years for them where if he had to have fallen into the starting role for them it wouldn't have been the end of the world or really altered their season too too drastically personally Um, by that logic, I'm going to go ahead and put, uh, my boy Lonzo Ball in the mid-pack here. There's an argument to go to gas, but statistically, I feel like Kyle Lowry has brought a lot of value to the Miami Heat. They are on an absolute tear right now, just like the Bulls are. They're looking like probably a couple of the top threats in the East overall. Uh, but Lowry, you know, he brings a lot of experience and more importantly, he's been moving the ball around, um. three plus assists better than everybody else that we've talked about today like he is finding the guys to make the shots and luckily he has the guys to like actually make the shots these days Uh, it's not the raptors where you just have to toss it down to siakam and hope something works out he has legitimate scoring threats Mm -hmm. starting with him all over the bench from any part of the floor he's gonna have some success making it happen so as impressed as i am with how Lonzo has kind of worked well in this system he's a dude that's definitely good for lobbing or uh, being lobbed too and is making chicago look like a more cohesive unit i think miami positioning themselves to land kyle lowry this year was one of the best free agency pickups they could have made yeah or man. not free agency pickups trade pickups rather that was a three-way trade, i believe
1: yeah yeah uh i i definitely agree with your with your ranking and i i love i love both uh lonzo and lowry on uh, and, and the kind of defensive aspects they add to the team too but i think that kyle lowry if you look like away from the stat sheet and just like see those games see him just being like chest out you know him and jimmy butler just like just not back and down from anything like kyle lowry is such a heat culture guy yeah he added a lot like, of
0: energy to a roster that was already pretty fucking swagged out
1: like just from the beginning they are a really scary team they look so cohesive and real tyler hero looks like you know he could shouts out tyler here i'm pretty sure i threw a, some
0: dirt on that man's name but he's proven everybody we did wrong give right him now.
1: the duchy, but you know what he said he compared himself to luca we said he was crazy and uh, a couple nights he listened ago to that podcast he went against that Mavericks. he took it personally he took it personal he took the hash out personal but he played the mavericks and they're like in like the second quarter i think there were like three uh three possessions were just going back and forth Luca would score the ball and Hero would score it in a very similar way and then on the third possession Luca like took a three-point shot that Hero contested uh you know hits the rim and then I believe PJ Tucker gets the rebound gets it to Hero Hero shoots the ball uh from 3 with uh Luca right in his face drains it so basically he plays horse with Luca over three possessions and wins like like, Tyler Hero's going crazy. Everyone's going crazy on that team. And I think Lowry's a really good, like, just spark plug guy for that team. And I think he was major for that reason in Toronto. But he puts in, like, an effort that doesn't always show up in the stats. Um, He's just, just a presence. A really Absolutely. Guy. A great fucking dude. I wish he was still here. Great fella. Um, Yeah. And I guess I can do it for uh, Reggie gas because we've taken a lot of time on the NBA today. But when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit of football, including a very special uh, surprise, the uh, NFL Midseason Dutchie Awards, right after this. Welcome back. Before the break, we uh, did some NBA discussion, including uh, just Robert Sarver and some of the terrible things the Phoenix Suns organization has been up to. Uh, We talked City Edition jerseys, and we did some Reggie gas. Now we're moving on to the NFL. Uh, It's been a very weird week of news in the NFL. Um, Obviously, one of the biggest pieces of news right now would be that Henry Ruggs, the third, the 22-year-old receiver for... The Las Vegas Raiders, although now released from the team, yeah, uh, got into a DUI car crash going 156 miles per hour in a 35 mile per hour speed limit zone, crashing into a woman and her dog in a Toyota, uh, killing the woman, actually leaving her burning in the vehicle while he sat on the curb waiting for help. Um, so he's been given two felony charges of reckless driving and, uh, DUI resulting in a death, uh, just a fucking tragic situation. Uh, my first question, like, you know, because obviously DUIs are oddly, like, prominent for athletes. If you're making millions of dollars, why can't you get an Uber or hire a driver? Like, why would you do something like that?
0: Well, why would you get an Uber if you had a super tricked out Corvette? You would just spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on as well. Well,
1: it's really unfortunate. And I mean, honestly, some of what I've seen on social media, of course, is fucking abysmal in talking about this. Um, there are people saying, uh, let's uh, let's try to forgive Henry Ruggs. Let's remember that he's young and let's let him grow from this mistake. We've all made this mistake. Um, I'm 27 years old. I was 22 once and I definitely made mistakes, but none of my mistakes involved drunkenly crashing my car into somebody and ending their life at 156 miles per hour, you know, and, and like I, in the grand scheme of his life, I do hope that like he learns and and grows in some way and and is able to atone for this experience, but there are also consequences for actions you know like there there are consequences and um it's crazy that people would say let's like let him learn from his mistakes in this situation like he should never be in the nfl again like this is absolutely no. hey, terrible. he's not and and you don't need to sympathize be, too much for him you can think it's sad that he threw his career away doing a stupid thing that is sad i would say but uh
0: it's just squandered potential, but that's not really what matters when you fucking kill someone, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I've also seen people trying to make conspiracy theories about it. I saw someone asking why we don't know what the woman's BAC was, which is just obviously the most like tasteless and impractical question to ask. Um, um I yeah. saw conspiracy theories where people were like, Oh, this is being reported on that. It's a rav four that she was driving and it was definitely a a Prius. And it's because, uh, these lithium batteries are the only way like this, this, like, you know, car could have burnt up like that. And it's like, well, okay. But she got crashed into at 156 miles per hour. Don't make this like, uh, gotcha libs agenda thing. Uh, I don't know and then like Derek Carr said like he needs someone to love him right now and I guess that's like true to some extent but I just I also am not too sympathetic for him because um I don't think just anyone could have made that mistake. I think there's a level of like entitlement and invincibility and it's absolutely yeah. Der- atrocious that this happened Derek
0: Carr also said something to the effect of that was basically like I feel bad that maybe he didn't know that he could like reach out to me at three in the morning And it was like do you think you're going to call your franchise quarterback when you're drunk as fuck in the middle of the night in Las Vegas and I think that is kind of an inherent problem with you know having a bunch of sports franchises in Las Vegas too you have people who become townies then and That's a very real concern. Yeah, you can say that about. I'm not saying it. I'm not trying to like overhype it. It's true of a lot of cities, absolutely. But, yeah, it probably doesn't help a 22 year old walking into millions of dollars to like have all of those circumstances played out in front of him. Does not absolve him of anything. Not saying he's not in the wrong. He totally is. But it's definitely what a lot of people are going to try to say
1: too. Yeah, I mean that's. And I, I think there is some truth to to saying like maybe maybe when you bring these guys into the league making all this money at that age that they've never seen before maybe they do need a little more guidance in some of their decision making oh. but
0: huh. absolutely it's a ridiculous proportion of athletes that go broke like by the time they
1: retire you yeah. know um but anyway rest in peace to the victim of the crash uh you know our thoughts go out to the the families of the victim. And, uh, yeah, this is a really tragic thing. But, you know, let's, let's try to have a little bit of fun with where we're at in the NFL season as well. Because we are going into Week 9. And that makes it, with this new extended season, right at the uh, midway point of the season. So, uh, I think... That makes it a perfect time. We do the Golden Duchy every week, but this time we're going to do a mid-season Duchy's awards for uh, the NFL. We have a few different uh, award superlatives uh, that we've come up with. We have some nominees, and we are going to uh, discuss the winners of these awards. Our first category is going to be most likely to drop the bong. Now, this award is going to be on a basis of uh, some loose hands, people uh, dropping the ball. Uh, So we've got four candidates lined up. Uh, Our first candidate is going to be Keenan Allen from the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, who has five drops and 69 uh, targets. Uh, Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even catch that one. Thanks for uh, pointing that out, Chandler. Uh, next up, we have uh, Najee Harris uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is actually leading uh, running backs with uh, four drops on uh, forty-nine targets, uh, but also thirty-seven receptions on those targets. Uh, so he's got quite a few in there as well. Uh, we've got more than any Steelers halfback that I remember in the past. Long. long. <laughs> we've got a uh, Tyree Kill, who I believe has uh, has five. Uh, Drops. I forget how many targets, but it is uh, obviously a pretty large amount of targets. And then finally is going to be uh, Robbie Anderson from the Carolina Panthers, who has seven drops on 50 targets. Chandler, do you want to present the award for most likely to drop the bong?
0: (laughs) The most likely to drop the bong is Robbie Anderson with seven drops on 50 targets um, and usually a reliable dude and I think a guy that a lot of people assume would be having a lot better of a season than he is. Uh, I I would say a little bit worse than Keenan Allen or Tyreek Hill because those guys, you know, sometimes drops are just a virtue of the types of targets they're getting and the types of years and that the quarterbacks are having and throws that they're uh, throwing out there, which, you know. Patrick Mahomes has been a little errant recently, so overall, I think Robbie Anderson's probably got the worst case here. Our next award
1: is going to be... Come get your (laughs) dutchie. Most likely to roll up when nobody's matching. We've all been here, right? You know, you're with your buddies, and you ask, who's got weed to throw in? And no one's raising their hands, but you're like, it's okay. I got us. We can smoke on me today. Step up and be that guy. Step up to that sort of dude. You become the face of the franchise. You're a stand up fella. And you roll when nobody's matching. So the people who roll up when nobody's matching are the people who have in some way outperformed the circumstances of their season. Uh, It's a little bit more abstract than some of the others we do. But Chandler, who are some of our uh, nominees? For uh most likely to roll up when nobody's matching. And give us a little description of uh why why they might qualify for that award.
0: All right, so we've got four quarterbacks in this uh breakdown here. We're gonna start at the top with my boy. Unfortunately, my boy, my problematic fave, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Um <laughs> Kyrie uh, Rogers. Overall, yeah, Kyrie Rogers, exactly. He's had a lot of games this season, or, you know, situation even just going into the season, right, was pretty tense with him, weren't sure if he even wanted to be there, lost the first game against the Saints, everybody's like, "Eh, does he really want to be here, and then goes on a tear, seven straight wins since, the most important being the one against the Cardinals recently without basically his entire fucking team, so that's a pretty, it's a pretty big barrier to your success, but uh, another dude who's also had that, another nominee is Lamar Jackson, who... Lost pretty much his entire running game apart from his own two legs at the beginning of this season um, and has been dragged down by injuries across the roster ever since as well. Uh, He just puts up when he needs to put up and makes big plays and quietly steers this team to, like, basically hmm, 15 wins, 14, 13, somewhere in there this year. Pretty damn impressive. Uh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, you know, they've lost some – kind of stupid games, like the one of the Jets last week recently, but overall has done well despite getting Jamar Chase, who's been amazing, uh, instead of starting left tackle and uh, Pene Sewell, and then Derek Carr, who has lost his uh, racist coach recently, and also it sounds like he's losing his number two or number three receiver now, um, and despite a lot of different shit that's happened with him personally and injuries and everything, he's steered them to five and two somehow, so shouts out Derek Carr. But do you want to go ahead and pass out the winner, the
1: true Golden Duchy? All right, and the winner of the award for most likely to roll up when nobody's matching is Lamar Jackson from the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar just keeps putting the team on his back. Big trust. Uh, No matter what the team loses that week, Lamar Jackson finds a way to step up to compensate for that. Uh, you know, this was supposed to be the year that defenses figured out Lamar Jackson. I was kind of part of that boat that thought that it would be as well, but he seems to become more elusive as the odds get stacked more against him. So, uh, of all of these guys who definitely seem like they are pretty generous with rolling up when nobody's matching Lamar Jackson's the one that really stands out as the most likely to roll up when nobody's matching. The next category is kind of the opposite of that. So I said you guys have been in the top situation because we know that the kings and queens who listen to the hash out will roll up when nobody else is matching. But we like to think that you are not the kind of people who try to smoke when you don't match regularly sometimes it happens to all of us it it depends on the situation with the person right if it's a close friend because i know we we've all met that person we can't say the name of that person someone else's but
0: you need to give them a few dollars
1: yes yes you absolutely do but we all know that person who is like one of your friends who was always like a fun time to hang out with but they would be like, hey, I don't have any weed right now. Can you smoke me out? And you're like, oh, that's fine. And then, uh, you know, they just never have the weed. You know, they just never do it. And so we hope you're not that person. Uh, but these are some of the people.
0: And if you are, you can change.
1: Oh, people can change. Uh, the most people likely.
0: I used to be a piece of shit.
1: I said used to be. Uh, most likely to smoke when they didn't match are the quarterbacks who have underplayed the value of their contract. Uh, the candidates for this include Jared Goff from the Detroit lions, who is uh, making an appalling $33.5 million this year, while he is putting up a 30.3 quarterback rating on his own eight team. The thing you could say here is, Hey man, he doesn't have a lot to work with in that roster. So fucking what? It's thirty-four million dollars. Make something happen, like thirty point three QBR. You should not, as a starting quarterback, be doing that. As a starting quarterback making thirty-four million dollars, you should absolutely not be doing that. Yeah, I think that might be more than what Aaron Rodgers is making. It is. This year. It is. Um, next up, I've got Jimmy Garoppolo from the 49ers, uh, making $27.5 million this year, a little less than Goff, uh, significantly higher, 47.3 QBR. Uh, Making it happen, a little more there. They have wins on the board. But it also seems like Jimmy Garoppolo, while maybe they were getting ready to move away from him anyway with, uh, with Trey Lance, it seems like he has possibly had a few more pieces than someone like Jared Goff has had to work with. And uh, maybe he, he could capitalize a little more off of some of that. Uh, third, very surprising to have in here. But hear me out. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. This man's making $45 million with a 56.7 QBR. You know, that sounds a lot better than the other two numbers I just said, but you also got to realize that that is down from a three-year period, averaging an 80.3, including last season where I believe he was at like an 82.9. Like, you know, there's a lot going on in Kansas City right now, but there does seem to be an odd slump this year for Patrick Mahomes. And in the past, Patrick Mahomes would have been the guy that you put in that category up above, but right now it's just weird it's payday for him he's making 45 million dollars and he's not bringing any weed and that's a big problem
0: jackson mahomes stole it to do a tiktok with it
1: also we do have to make the the note here that pat mahomes has more turnovers than 24 other teams in the nfl combined that's crazy (laughs) Or not combined, oh, not combined, not but 24 other teams and their total, like, team respective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know.
0: Fumbles, interceptions, he's done more of that than 24 other teams have managed.
1: Just a reminder, a guys, the reason we call this the hash out is because we are hashed out when we do this. Uh, and finally, Matt Ryan.
0: Corrections corner is now
1: open. <laughs> Matt Ryan uh, from Atlanta. Making thirty million. Just let this the year. man live,
0: leave him alone. Yeah,
1: not Ryan. He's planning
0: his retirement. Can I,
1: if Atlanta wants to pay him to do that? That's can fine. I be honest? Matt Ryan was a fourth name on here, who fit the description we of do. what I was doing. He Matt knows. Ryan doesn't belong he, here, th- and honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't totally belong on here. I think this comes down to, uh, the, the context of Pat Mahomes' situation, or the. Just numbers behind Jared Goff's situation. And Chandler, I'm going to let you call this award. I'm going to say the numbers are far worse and
0: give it to Mr. Jared Goff. The Detroit Lions, who has managed to win no games this yeah, year. Yeah, Mahomes. A man that is only a couple years off a Super Bowl. Mahomes
1: could still make the playoffs very easily.
0: I think Mahomes does make the playoffs. Yeah, personally. I'm not convinced he doesn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave us a little ass slap in this Sunday and really turned things around, so, you know? But, Jared Goff, it's criminal that you get paid that much money, and you know it. Don't act like you don't.
1: Our final award for the midseason duchies is uh, the most likely to steal the joint out of rotation. You know, the person who you think the joint's coming to you and you don't see them. They were up in the kitchen or in the bathroom, and all of a sudden, as it's getting passed to you, They walk into the room and just snatch that shit up. This is going to be the player who has impressed us the most with their ability to intercept the ball, the person who you just know would come out of nowhere and steal that doobie out the way. You want to give us the nominees? Sure. I'll start from. uh, Well, flip it around here. What about Mr. Kevin Byard of the
0: Titans? Titans, you know, looking pretty damn good. It's going to be a little bit dicey with Adrian Peterson instead of Derrick Henry, but we'll see how they manage. Um, but on the whole, Kevin Byard's had a good year. He's got four, yeah, four interceptions on the year, tied for second in the NFL, along with Logan Wilson from the Cincinnati Bengals. Same stat, four interceptions this year. That's a pretty good spot to be at in the midway part, you know, saying you project to eight interceptions on the year. That's a damn, that's a career year for somebody, you know um see if they can keep it up but Justin Simmons just in week eight had two interceptions which brought his season total to three um but I mean I don't know can do we you know it's Travon Diggs there's no question the about this there's there no was never a question this man has seven interceptions in eight games right yeah that's stupid um let him do whatever he wants
1: bro I swear to god You would be getting the joint handed to you while he is pulling up in his car, getting out of his car, and just walking into the party. And somehow, in all that process, Trevon Diggs is still stealing that fucking joint from you. It's
0: unreal. It is. Honestly, shout out to the Dallas Cowboys defense scheming. It's been pretty fucking decent recently. You know, a little dicey in a couple games. But, I mean, to set a dude like that up for seven interceptions. Yeah. Nope,
1: their defense has been something else. I remember uh I remember when Denver saw a great defense. And that brings me to the final point of today.
0: Oh man. You're gonna make me feel bad.
1: I'm going to give out the first ever sentimental Golden Duchy. Every time we give it out, there's sort of a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it. You know, we're not you know we're not clapping with you, we're clapping at you. Um so This is a little different. This is uh, an award given out to somebody who has meant a lot to the city of Denver, who is no longer going to be playing for the city of Denver. Von Miller got traded to the Los Angeles Rams, and uh, he gets a Golden Duchy for being an amazing player on this team, for winning this city another Super Bowl, and for doing a whole fucking lot for this community. You are... Always a Denver Bronco, Vaughn Miller. And every duchy we smoke this week is in your name. I love you, Vaughn. Amen. <laughs> anyway, guys, that has been the hash out. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week as we delve into the intersection of sports and cannabis culture.